You're listening to the Radical Disruption Podcast with Maya Nicole, nursing student turned multi-six-figure online entrepreneur. Here we talk all things real and raw when it comes to entrepreneurship and what it really takes to get to the next level. Leave the small biz talk at the door and buckle up for the tangible, tactical, and actionable steps that will help guide you in building a disruptive business. Let's dive into the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Radical Disruption. Today's guest is Melissa. Melissa is a 35-year-old Southern California native currently living in Mobile, Alabama. For the past nine years, she's been helping online entrepreneurs and small businesses market themselves online with paid and organic traffic. She owns Litchfield Media Co., a digital marketing company that helps small businesses and entrepreneurs skyrocket their impact and revenue with paid traffic. Melissa also manages two rental properties and a new custom clothing apparel brand for babies and toddlers. She lives with her husband who serves in the U.S. Coast Guard and her daughter, Madeline. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, and I am so excited for today's episode. I have Melissa here with me, and we are going to be chatting all things advertisement, paid ads, specifically meta ads, and we might even talk about Pinterest ads as well. We'll see where the conversation takes us. But before we dive into our conversation today, Melissa, I would love for the listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So what is your background? How did you get into advertisement? And I think you also have an agency. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Litchfield Media. Yeah, totally. I'll dive into basically when I started the the company. So 2019 is when I started like the Instagram, right? I think it was May of 2019. But prior to that, I was actually working at another marketing agency and we had some high profile clients on the roster that I was working with. So I got to experience and also see behind the scenes of really profitable launches, like six figure launches were pretty much a thing. And that was like before all the iOS changes, right? So it was like even better. <laughs> it was even better time to advertise. But what it really came down to was that I was underpaid, overworked. I think I was working 15 hours a day. I still have traumatic experiences with Voxer on my phone. Like our clients had access to us on Voxer. So still to this day, when I hear like it go off, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? And then like Slack, my yeah. Slack messages, like I just felt like I was always drowning in Slack messages. So I realized I was like, okay, I just need to like dive into my own business. I was like, I know I can do this. I was like, it may be a little rocky. I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I'm just going to take a chance on myself. And I was like, I am over here building somebody else's dream and getting awesome and amazing results for their clients during their launches. I was yeah. like, I see potential. And, you know, obviously what ads do to help course creators really just launch their course and provide a huge cash injection, right? Because some of my clients were making six figures on these launches and they're like, okay, now we're going to buy our dream home or we're going to purchase like this lot of land. And I'm like, dang, that is so cool. You know, it's like, I felt like I was a part of their dream, right? Yeah. Reality. I helped make that become a reality. So I was like, how cool would it be to have my own clients, right? To have a say on like, okay, if this client is not the best fit or this client is the best fit because I did ultimately end up working with some clients that were absolutely a wrong fit for the agency at the prior one. So in 2019, I quit that job and I went all in on my business. So I mean, I started out as like just a solopreneur, right? I didn't really have an agency yet. I tell most people the agency didn't come to life until 2020. 2020 is like 
when it really boomed for me. And I think a lot of people also had that same, the same stuff happened to their business. So, and I think it might've been just the perfect trifecta, right? Everyone was realizing, let's go digital, right? Everyone's working from home anyways. Everyone's on their computer. Let's go digital. Let's launch ads. So yeah, 2020 was where everything kind of took off. I hired my first full-time person. I have two full-time ad managers now, and I have an ops manager, copywriter, you know, we have a graphic designer, the whole nine. So, so yeah, that's a little bit about my business. But yeah, that first year, I mean, just bringing in, you know, I probably didn't take home 64K, but that was way more than my salary was at my previous job. So I was like, the fact that I could even do this in 10 months, you know, wasn't even the full year. I saw like huge potential and I definitely invested a lot back into my business. Yeah. But yeah, so that's pretty much where we are now. And now we're like pretty much a team of 10. Um, I try to run like annual team retreats every year. So we've been doing an annual retreat ever since 2021. So, and our retreat's coming up this year. I'm super excited. (laughs) And what did it look like in that first year for you? Like when you were transitioning into being a solopreneur, like where did you, where did your clientele come from? Where like, were you on Instagram? Were a lot of them referrals? Like where did business come from in that first year? Yeah, 100% Instagram. I started the Instagram account in May. And then by the end of the year, I think I had 5K. So memes were really hot back then. I think Boss Babe shared, reshared one of my posts and that, that kind of went viral on like Twitter which is now X, really weird, but (laughs) Twitter. And then um, it went pretty much viral on Instagram as well. And then that's when it got shared on Boss Babe. So I was like, dang, I'm like really on a roll, you know? And then then I felt like the algorithm kind of just took a tank from there. (laughs) But like 2019, 2020, those were like really good years for Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Question for you. Since you run ads, do you run ads for your own business too? Or do you just have enough clients now where you're like, I don't really need to do that? Or have you ever ran ads? I have actually only done lead gen for different offers and I don't run it consistently. Like I I believe I was running a, a freebie essentially, like ads to a freebie for a specific funnel course. Yeah, And I did ads in the very beginning to just a checklist because I was, well, I wanted to build a separate audience for the course because I knew, you know, majority of the people that I was attracting, you know, back then, um, they were at the beginning baby stages of their business. So yeah. I was like, okay, no one's really ready for done for you ad management at this point. Um, so I wanted to be able to, you know, help that other pool of of people that were still interacting with my Instagram, DMing me, wanting to work with me. And I was like, okay, how can I still help them? Done for your ad management was quite a significant investment, even though I was charging like pennies back then. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I ran ads for in the very beginning. I think I spent $1,000, sent people to like an ads checklist. And that's like initially how I grew my list. So so yeah, but I have not yet had to run ads for done for you management. So everything, at least this past two years, client referrals are my yeah. biggest source of lead gen. So I love that so much. Now, something that you were saying is, you know, people who are at the beginning of their business might not be looking for like a done for you. My question for you is, how does a business owner know if they're ready for paid advertising? Like if they're ready to like take that step and what does that step look like usually? Like, do you recommend like a do it yourself to like get started or do you recommend jumping straight into like done for you? Like, what does that whole thing look like? Yeah, yeah, that's honestly a really great question. And I feel like, you know, potential clients, if they're unsure, they're like, how do I know I'm ready? Yeah. (laughs) But I think the biggest sign is like proof of concept, right? You already have worked with people under your belt. 
they've seen um, results and you have testimonials of whatever product or service that you offer. And you're also at a stage in business that you have the money to invest, right? So that also, also ties into it too. Not just obviously money for the ad spend, but also money for the agency fee. Yeah, for sure. And what do you normally drive traffic to? Like, are, are there like different places that you recommend driving traffic to? Like, are we, I know you said like, oh, like I was doing like lead gen and then there's like funnels and things like, like, where are you normally driving traffic to with ads and where do you recommend? Honestly, tried and true strategy is lead gen, right? Grow your email list. (laughs) If you have a tripwire, that's even better because then you can offset the actual ad spend. And it really depends, you know, on like what your tripwire is actually converting at. But ideally with cold traffic, it could convert anywhere from one to 3%. Yeah. It's rare, but I have seen a few clients and and usually this is like when they launch a brand new offer, I have seen up to like four to 6% conversion on the tripwire page. So um, but I feel like lead gen is great to start with, even if you're not ready to invest like a huge budget in ads, say like, okay, I can't afford 10K in ad spend, but you know that you've maybe tapped out your warm audience, right? You've been talking to the same people over and over on Instagram and you feel like you can't really grow, or maybe your email list has been kind of like stagnant, like the email growth has been kind of stagnant. And I tell people all this all the time, like in between launches, make sure that you're growing your audience at least by 30% more each time, because I feel like that's the number one gap in where people are seeing, you know, little to no improvement on either revenue or return, right? When they're running out. So it's like, okay, where are you running lead gen? Um, So I feel like lead gen helps all around, no matter what size or what type of business you have. So yeah, you can always start with lead gen. You can't go wrong there. I love that. Okay. I have two questions. My first question is, what is the best freebie that you've seen to like drive traffic to with lead gen? And then my second question, actually, let's just start with that one and then I'll ask my second question. (laughs) Okay. It used to be quizzes. Um, That was like last year, quizzes were the thing. And then I've, I've just find with my own clients, like the quizzes cost per lead has greatly increased. So like four to five cost uh, dollars per lead. Now I feel like the templates are like where it's at. So there's a couple of my clients that have, you know, like an email template, like to basically take a lead from like, you know, inquiry to booked client or something. So something like that is kind of like plug and play, but they can also tweak it and alter it to whatever messaging or it it should be aligned with the type of business that you're, or, you know, the type of buyer that you're looking to attract, right? Don't just make a template and try to say it's for everybody. Cause then I feel like, you're not really going to attract um, some quality leads. So but yeah, the templates, the swipe files, those are doing really well right now. I love that. And then my second question for you is, what do you recommend that someone has set up in their business before they start ads? So we talked a lot about like emails and like freebies. Like what are like the main things we're like, hey, if you really want to like hit the ground running when you start doing ads, I recommend setting up these things. Oh yeah, definitely a welcome sequence. (laughs) Some sort of follow-up sequence. It's like, okay, once you have the lead, then what happens after that? Like, are you just ghosting them? What's the process to take them from cold lead to warm and nurtured to like hot and ready to buy? So yeah. And then there, I mean, there's a lot of backend like tech setup, right? So like integrating your funnel pages with the form from your email software, uh, making sure the pixels, you know, that the meta pixels are placed and they're tracking and they're accurately firing opting into your funnel, right? I feel like so many people forget to opt in. And then when I check 
their lead magnet. I'm like, oh, it's not redirecting. I was like, we need to fix this, right? So just little things like that that could easily be missed, right? Once you're like, if you were building your own funnel, you're you're in the thick of it. And you're like, I didn't even think to test that. Or yeah. making sure that the first email fires after you opt in, right? So those like just basic quality checks, you know, you want to make sure that everything is working properly on the back end before you start running traffic to it because then kind of waste money, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Something else that you were saying is like cost per lead and like all these different terms. Can you break those down for someone like me who has no idea what even that means and also like breaking it down, but also giving like an optimal number too? Like, I think you said like, I I don't even know. It was like $4 or something like that per lead or I don't know. Can you like give a breakdown of what that means, what that looks like, and then like kind of like the optimal number to shoot for? Yeah. So basically Facebook, um, depending on the sort of like optimization, or I guess I should say meta now, (laughs) Um, depending on the optimization that you choose for your ads, let's just say you choose traffic, right? Which is a default optimization that a lot of people pick. But um, I'm just going to tell you a secret. Don't do that. (laughs) But let's just say for traffic, you're going to get only charged for every link click that that person, you know, does or like for every link click that happens on your ad, that's when you're going to get charged. And in terms of running ads for lead generation, the cost per lead is just attributed to the cost per result, right? So the result is actually you want people to opt in and take action, like enter in their email. Yeah. So whenever someone is considered a lead in Meta, they're going to send that information back to Ads Manager and it's going to attribute, you know, whatever cost that was in order to acquire that lead on your end. So yeah, it's basically just for like for every X amount of dollars you spend, you've acquired an email address on your list or purchase. It kind of just depends on what exactly, you know, you're running ads to. Yeah, for sure. And what is the optimal number that you want to shoot for with, I guess, specifically with since we're talking about lead generation, like what is that optimal number? Because I'm sure it depends on like where you're driving traffic to like a link versus an opt-in form. But like for lead generation specifically, what is that number? Yeah. Back in the, I would say back in the day, but like prior to the iOS 4 changes, it was ideally $1 to $3 per lead. That was kind of like the industry standard. And then after the iOS changes, it was like 4 to 6 And then honestly, it depends on like what industry you're in, what type yeah. of business you have, because I do have another client that's like B2C. And their lead gen is usually like one to two dollars, sometimes under a dollar. So, but yeah, B2C is typically cheaper than B2B, which is like if you're a business coach, you know, if you're essentially attracting other business owners, then, you know, just default your B2B. (laughs) I love that. So you keep talking about like the iOS update. So I know that that changed a lot of things in terms of advertisement. So can you give a rundown of like what is working right now with meta ads? Yeah. So good news is that they took away aggregated events. So when they, uh, we'll just blame Apple, right? So when Apple made all these changes to their privacy policy, they essentially told all the other apps, right? And Meta is one of the apps that they were going to allow their consumers or their customers to opt out of tracking, right? So prior to the iOS changes, you know, you would click an ad from, from Meta to wherever the destination was. And you were tracked essentially, right? So the track the pixel is essentially what's tracking everybody's actions once they leave Facebook or once they leave the advertising platform. Now with the iOS changes that were implemented, 
you know, now we're losing a lot of that data. So what had to be implemented was the server-side base tracking. So on your website. So essentially, once somebody opted in, instead of the pixel, you know, relying on the pixel to send the information back to ads manager, now you had to install conversions API and had a server base, I guess, initial, not really tracking, but it basically would send a signal, right? Oh, yeah. we saw on our website, a lead had occurred, you know, today or X amount of leads have occurred. Then it would send it back to Meta. So that's pretty much what happened. And then they implemented domain verification. So it kind of forced everybody to like have an actual verified domain, right? You couldn't just send people to like some random page without having, you know, ownership of that domain. So I felt like that was kind of a good thing. It probably alleviated a lot of, you know, those scams out there or like pushed them out essentially. But yeah, so aggregate events is no no longer needed, but essentially it was like they were giving you up to eight events to potentially track on your domain. So, but for like the service-based businesses and like course creators, we really needed only five, right? It's like page view, lead, complete registration, initiate checkout and purchase. Those are like the five main ones that people in our industry use. Yeah. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like detrimental to the ads at all. So it was just kind of more so like a pain, you know, like, oh, I have to do all this extra work to set set it all up. Uh, But now they, they got rid of that. That's like a huge relief. But yeah, it really did mess up all of the, you know, audiences, like the custom audiences we used to be able to create. And then they also removed a lot of detailed targeting. So like specific interests that used to be there prior are no longer there. So, you know, you kind of have to get creative or possibly use broad targeting and rely on your ad copy and messaging to bring in the right people. But that has always been the case, to be honest. <laughs> it's like the ad copy, you really could tell, like if you had a low click-through rate on your ad, you you just know that the messaging just does not align with your targeting. So there's other metrics to look at too, you know, to make sure you're on track. Yeah. When you're talking about Pixel and I think you said something about API too, what is that and broken down for a third grader? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a little piece of code. So, you know, when I say code, you just imagine like this crazy jumble of like words and, and numbers. Yes. But essentially, <laughs> that's what you have to put on the back end of your website, right? Okay. And most of the time, it's like inserted in the header. So just in the header section, it's a little piece of code. Google uses the same thing. They call it a tag. Pinterest has a tag. All of these softwares have a tag, but it basically, you know, allows you to track user behavior and customer consumer behavior, what they're doing on your website. And then conversion API was basically just a server-based form of tracking to kind of alleviate that gap when people are able to opt out, which they still are, right? So yeah. if you are on, if you have an Apple phone, you have the option to opt out of tracking. So usually you'll see that little window. If you have an Android, then you don't have to worry. <laughs> <laughs> You're just being tracked all the time. Yeah, they were not affected. But yeah, it did affect lookalike audiences. So when you're creating certain custom audiences, like that pool wasn't exactly accurate. So awesome. Thank you for explaining that. Cause I'm just like, mm-hmm. it was like way over my head there for a second. But now that totally makes sense because anything for me, anytime we get into anything that's like code or like integrate this onto your website, I'm like, that's over my head. I'm like, let me just now pay someone to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I love that so much though. So my other question for you in terms of like meta ads is if you could give me like your top like three to five things right now, like in 2023 that you see working so well 
whether that's for, you know, other people or for your current clients, like whatever it is, like, what are like the three to five things where like, this is working really, really well right now? Yeah. Okay. So honestly, and it kind of depends, right? Like every ad account is so different, but I always like to test images and videos, but ever since they introduced reels, like reels were the thing. Yeah. Now I've been testing like cap cut templates. So like on your actual reels, you know, the videos, and then we just basically create the ad in CapCut and they have a ton of templates now and they're funny. So I feel like funny memes were the best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it gets people to chuckle a little and they'll, I've seen some people comment already. They're like, great ad or like, this was so funny. It made me laugh, you know, that sort of thing. So it brings in like unexpected engagement already. But I want to say what else is working. Some cl- For some clients, static images do really, really well, you know, and we're just playing around with the design or whatever we can do to stop the scroll, you know, like a really thought-provoking headline or, you know, a polarizing headline. Like if you can stand out in that sort of way with just your opening headline in your ad copy, that's like a surefire way to like stop the scroll and get them to click and read more. Obviously that helps with like your click through rate of your ad, right? Because the goal is like not just to show them and serve the ad, but to get them to click through. That is like the probably like the most important part, right? Because once they click through and obviously you want to maximize the amount of people seeing the ad and clicking through, then they can read more information about the product, the service, the lead magnet, whatever. And obviously, you know, you want to be checking your landing page conversion as well to see like how well your page is converting those leads from the ad, you know, into like an actual email list subscriber. Yeah, for sure. And when you're talking about, you know, you were talking about reels and then you were talking about static images, where are these showing up? Like, are we talking about like these are being posted on Facebook or are these being posted on WhatsApp or are these being posted on Instagram or are these on Instagram stories? Is this on Instagram feed? Like, I know there are so many different places that you can place an ad. Like, are you placing it in all of the places or like strategically, is there a better place to put certain ads than other places? Yeah. And people ask me this um, frequently, like, oh, should I only advertise on Facebook or should I only advertise on Instagram? Honestly, there is a, I forget what they changed the name, but it used to be called automatic placement. And it's basically, there's two different options. You could do manual or auto. And I think it's called like advanced placement now. It's the algorithm and it will just optimize any and all of the placements, right? Any option, no matter where you're on stories or if you're on reels. So we usually default to that. I want to say probably in the beginning, we did specifically solely only test like Instagram story images and videos for that Instagram placement, right? On stories. And those used to do really, really well. But now that they've introduced reels, it's like they're, that's a whole nother separate placement, right? Yeah. People are not seeing reels and Instagram stories as they're scrolling. Now they're also scrolling the real feed. So yeah, I think it's good to like have placement everywhere. And it does kind of look funky sometimes. Like if you see an image on stories and then like the copy will roll up, but we still see great results. So, I mean, I say it's do automatically, let the algorithm do its thing. That's what it's for. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let it work its job. I love that. Okay. So we're, I was just asking, you know, Facebook versus Instagram, obviously that's all housed under meta, but what about Pinterest? What about these other platforms where you can run ads? I know that that's like a whole nother realm of running ads. Obviously you can't run it all through the same like database and like platform, but what would you say like meta ads versus Pinterest ads? And is there a certain business that should, that would benefit more from like meta versus Pinterest or Pinterest versus meta? 
Yeah. And that's honestly something that you probably won't know until you test. But I will say that for one of our clients, they had a a membership, right? It was like a low ticket membership. Lead magnets do really, really well for like our clients in terms of like service-based businesses. So that's what we were utilizing on Pinterest. So a lead magnet, it was like a free challenge. And then the tripwire page was like a dollar trial to their membership. So those were actually coming in. Like if you looked at the top of funnel metrics, the cost per lead was a smidge higher than like what Meta was bringing in, but the conversion rate was higher. So Mm. honestly, Pinterest has like a different sort of intent, right? Yeah. Where on Meta, people are just scrolling the feed. If they happen to stumble on your ad and they like what you have to say, then they'll opt in or buy, right? Yeah. Or they'll watch your webinar and buy. But with Pinterest, it's like they're saving specifically to either buy or buy for later. I will say the buying period is a lot longer than it is for Meta. Obviously, like with Meta, we see instant results, you know, within 24 hours. With Pinterest, it's a little bit longer, you know, so you kind of have to like make sure you're ready to commit for over 30 days <laughs> because especially if you have a new account, right? It's going to take some time for the algorithm to learn, you know, all the traffic that you're sending back to your site on Pinterest. But yeah, so we do have an, we actually have an e-commerce client on Pinterest and she's doing really, really well. She does have a higher ticket sort of product. She's in the jewelry space. So we are seeing like at least two to three return on ad spend. So for every dollar we spend on ads, we're seeing at least two to three back for her return. So it's pretty profitable. I can see that increasing, you know, out over time. We're literally spending like $1,000 on Pinterest. So (laughs) it's like, can you imagine if we start spending more, you know, but we don't want to like go too crazy because like we just started her account. So we don't want to like shock the platform too much. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I have, I'm writing down like frantically. I'm like, I have so many questions and I don't want to forget to ask them. You mentioned testing and you said, you know, you won't know until you test with like between Meta versus Pinterest. Do you recommend A-B testing? And if so, what do you usually, what are you usually testing for? So when in terms of A-B testing, I like to do it the manual way in Meta because they do have an option to do their own A-B testing, but I'm a control freak sometimes when it comes to that. (laughs) I like to be able to control the split test, right? So you're usually testing different headlines, different copy, and different versions of creative, meaning like static images, talking reels, original audio type reels, or like music, little clips of music over reels. So that's pretty much what we test and we split test. And then we also take all those versions of ads and we test several different audiences. So it's not just on one level where we're testing different versions of creative, but we're also testing different versions of targeting. And this also takes some some budget, you know, so like just be aware if you have a smaller budget, then you won't be able to split test as many versions of targeting ad sets, ads, that whole thing. So yeah, that's kind of how we split test um, meta. And we, we pretty much do the same thing with Pinterest. So we'll have several different, they call them ad groups on Pinterest. We'll have several different ad groups. The targeting is very different because it's based on like search terms, right? And what people are searching for. So it's kind of similar to Google in terms of meta. It's like, oh, people that like this page or people that have this behavior or this interest. Whereas on Pinterest, it's like, okay, people searching for this thing, this particular product or this item. And it's almost like categories, right? You know, Pinterest has its own categories. So yeah. Uh, But yeah, we do the same thing. And what's a little different with Pinterest is that the ad that you create, it also becomes an organic pin. So that's something to note. 
so yeah, you'll you'll be able to see, you know, the actual ads that people are running, say like Jenna Kutcher, she runs a lot of Pinterest ads. You'll be able to see on her profile, if you look on her different boards, you'll probably be able to find her ads because yeah. they do kind of force you to create the organic pin first. You can create it within the ad platform or you can create it organically on your Pinterest board. Yeah. Anytime I think about running ads, I always think about Jenna Kutcher. She, her ads always come up all over the place on my Instagram account. All, like her team, they know what they're doing because <laughs> uh, they are targeting me all of the time for sure. Um, my question now with, with testing is how often do you recommend testing and how often do you recommend changing the creative? Like if it's working, do you just run it until it's not working anymore? And then like with the testing, is that like a, you know, do you just do that at the beginning or is that something that you do like quarterly? What does that all look like? Depending on the offer, I will say it depends on that because like in terms of like, I might confuse your audience if I say SLO funnels, but (laughs) um, if you have a low ticket offer where it's say like it's the front offer, you have to spend like $37 to buy it and there's like an order bump and an upsell. Those are basically categorized as like SLO funnels, so self-liquidating offers. Those are high maintenance and literally we are refreshing creative every month. No joke. Um, And in terms of testing a brand new ad campaign or offer, we usually take a good week to fully optimize the ad account and, and the ads. So by like, let's just say the first couple days, maybe you're seeing a higher cost per lead than you'd like to see. But that's typically because you're turning off a bunch of ads that are like either overspending or not converting, right? Yeah. And usually it's kind of like it falls in line with the same thing. It's like either they're bringing in too high of a cost per lead and we turn it off or they were bringing in nothing, but they're spending you know, money and they're bringing in no leads. So that's kind of how we optimize all the ads on the ad level. And then by, say, day seven, we usually start to see the cost per lead drop on average, right? Because it'll give you an average cost per lead. So we'll usually see it after a week of fully optimizing the account. The cost per lead usually goes down because we're turning things off. We're testing new audiences. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer than that. (laughs) But yeah, I do feel like the... And this is going back to like webinar funnels and webinar ads, but sometimes webinar ads are a little bit more trickier. And I feel like it's the title. Like the title is not enticing enough, you know? So I feel like usually like we're we're constantly testing headlines or maybe it's like an oversaturated market or niche, you know? And we're like, wow, this title is not resonating with, yeah. with anybody that we're targeting. So, so yeah, there's, there's a couple of different things that you can, you know, specifically see and you're just, it's like a red flag. You're like, okay, this is definitely not working. <laughs> we need to pivot the strategies ASAP. Yeah, for sure. My next question, it actually leads really well into what you were saying prior, which is how long do you recommend running an ad to be able to see like, oh, okay, this is actually working? Because you were talking about that seven-day period and how after that, usually you'll see you know ad spend drop a little bit. Do you wait like 14 days? Are we talking like 30 days? Like I've even heard people say like, oh, you should run it for 30 days because that really helps the algorithm to get to know, you know, who you're trying to target and who it to sh- who to show it to. But does it need to be a full 30 days or what is that time period? Yeah, no. So in terms of like testing, you know, ads for the first time when you start a brand new campaign within 24 to 48 hours, you'll be able to tell what's working, what's not. Oh, wow. In terms of the seven day period, that's more like long term optimization wise. Like you're yeah. just turning off ads that are no longer converting because you could have, let's say, a video with a specific version of a copy perform really well, targeting, say, 
Amy Porterfield, but that same video targeting James Wedmore tanks. You kind of just have to watch the metrics and you know, just be watching them every day and turning off things that are no longer converting. So, but yeah, meta is pretty quick. That's why I like meta because I don't have patience sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially when you're putting money into something too, it's like, if it's not working, like I don't want to keep putting money into it for 30 days. Like I'd rather see if it's not working within 24 to 48 hours. I'm all about that, which that actually leads me into my very last question for you, which is how much money do you recommend putting into ads? And there's probably not a one size fits all answer to this, but like on average, like if you're looking for optimal results, how much money do you recommend spending? Yeah. Oh gosh. So again, it depends, but I want to say like, if you really want to see results, expect to spend at least one to 2k on ads a month in a, in a given month, or yeah. if you want to see results faster, like you can do a thousand dollars in a week. That's usually what we do to test webinar funnels. Okay. Um, because you need at least like 300 people registered to the webinar, like an evergreen webinar yeah. to really see what's the webinar drop off rate looking like, what's the show up rate looking like, did anybody buy while they're watching the webinar? And then you look at the email. So like, and they also have to complete the funnel, right? You can run ads for a week and get as many people in top of funnel as you can for that first week. But the following week is usually the rest of the leads are completing the funnel. So it takes for like webinar ad funnels or you just got to wait for like two weeks. <laughs> kind of yeah. have to be patient. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge. For those who are wanting to connect with you outside of this podcast, where can they find you? Yeah. So I hang out on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. Same handle, Litchfield Media. I'm not really on threads a whole lot. Occasionally I'll check the app, but you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> I love your threads. I follow you on threads and I love it. So <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, what can I say that's not business related some days? I'm like, oh gosh, like I talk about this all the time on on Instagram, you know, but I'm like, I want to just like talk about mindless, funny stuff sometimes on threads. <laughs> yes. No. And I think that that's, I don't know, for me, that's how I've been utilizing threads is just like random stuff where I'm like, this is my life or like, this is a random thought that I had. And I'm like, I, I don't know. There's no, for me on my threads, there's no rhyme or rhythm. It's just really, truly the most random things ever. But I love threads and I love your threads. <laughs> Yeah, cool. I try to treat them like stories, you know, too. It's like, yeah. oh, here's what I'm cooking for dinner or my daughter did this today, you know, just like try to keep it lighthearted. Yeah, no, I love that so much. Thank you again for your time and sharing all of your knowledge with us. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. If this episode has served you in any way, I'd love it if you shared what you've learned, any aha moments that you may have had, or something that you loved, and tag me on Instagram at Maya Nicole. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review so that we can continue to learn and grow together. Thank you so much for your support. I love you, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.